0: You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome to Locked On Bucks. Thank you for joining us once again. I'm Eric Nahum. As always, I'm joined by Frank Madden. Frank, how are you tonight? Uh,
0: I'm good. I'm, I'm not suffering from withdrawal symptoms quite yet uh, from having a basketball <laughs> game yesterday and not having one today. I'm still, my brain is still kind of trying to digest what we saw yesterday even though it probably doesn't mean that much in the grand scheme of things uh, but I, I feel like in the next couple of days my I'm gonna start hurting a bit more uh, waiting for for the game on Saturday so we'll we'll see hopefully we can you can help get me through this
1: yeah I would I would agree on that and I guess the the cool thing is though everyone is making awesome content now and we see vines and we see podcasts and here at the lockdown network we see, our good friend David Locke, putting out awesome podcasts. And he had one with Kevin Pelton. I think it published today. Maybe it was yesterday, but here in the last day or so. Um, Frank talked me out of just putting their podcast up for our Locked On Bucks <laughs> podcast. Uh, he, he insisted that we actually talk about something. Um, so I can only give you this advice. Stop listening to us right now and go listen to to it's locked on NBA it's with David Locke it's with Kevin Pelton and Kevin Pelton obviously uh just the man at ESPN all this stuff is pretty much on insider um and he's a, a great reason to get insider um but they just talked basketball for 50 minutes and I'm not going to say it's mind-blowing stuff but it is stuff that will certainly make you think And probably make you rewind and listen to minute sections over and over again to make sure that what they were saying didn't go over your head. I know I probably did it ten times during that fifty-minute podcast to go back two minutes, re-listen to a point to try to to truly understand it. So this it's really smart basketball stuff. Two dudes that know their stuff. Um, So go listen to it. You can come back here and then listen to the rest of this, but. Seriously, go listen to it. It's, it's awesome. Um, and really what that conversation did was kind of make us start thinking about what we saw the night before. And I think at the start of the day, Frank and I had kind of mentioned something about... Hey, we should record a podcast where we talk about the Bucks shooting more threes cuz they they certainly did that in their preseason opener against the against the Bulls where they they were really putting up threes, they were putting up more corner threes, and we kind of started to think about it already at the start of the day and then And
0: actually, I mean in fairness, we so we recorded the podcast late last week about are they going to run more and Use more pick and rolls because you know they were talking about. There, Miles, Plum, Miles Plumley was talking about that. Jason Kidd was talking about that. And the other thing they said was was Jason Kidd was like, "Oh, we're definitely going to take more threes this year." And so I think even late last week we were kind of debating, okay, should we do? You know, when should we talk about shooting more threes and whether that's you know again like <laughs> training camp factor fiction? Is this just what you know teams saying stuff because they always say stuff like that, or is there actually some, fa- some some factual basis to it? And obviously, I think yesterday was interesting because you went from the extreme of. Coming out eight minutes, not looking like they wanted to shoot any threes, <laughs> to uh, you know hitting ten out of twenty five, I think it was, and taking five out of thirteen from from the corners, which is a, a ton for a team like the Bucks. So, but anyway, yeah. So, uh, so let's give ourselves some credit, Eric. We were thinking about this topic before, absolutely. And then uh, I I'm, think all just for, so- I'm all <laughs>
1: for I'm all for patting my own back. I'm all for that, Frank. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we've we've been thinking about it for a while, and I guess it was kind of good that we had uh, a catalyst to kind of actually make us want to record and maybe think a little bit deeper about this. So I guess this entire podcast is going to be about shooting threes and whether or not the Bucks will do more of it. And I guess I'll toss it to you here, Frank. I know before we got on, we tossed a few ideas back and forth about things we wanted to try to hit on themes that we thought were both important in that podcast and then also important to the Bucks. And I guess I'll toss, I'll toss it to you to, kind of figure out where do we want to start here
0: yeah so let's start by just sort of setting up um, uh, some baselines around where the bucks were a year ago and what meaningful improvement might look like this year Uh, and everything worked out well tonight because i think we were talking about talking about this and then i listened to uh, the journal sentinel bucks podcast with um, our uh, esteemed friends and colleagues, uh, there Matt Velasquez and Charles Gardner, and and they actually talked a little bit about um, the three point topic and could they get to to league average this year? And so so check out that podcast as well. Um, and then stumbling upon you know I hadn't listened to the Locked On NBA show uh, in a couple weeks, and then seeing Kevin Pelton was was on, and Kevin um, Kevin is great because he he tackles these big picture things like how many threes should a team take? Why, you know, when should you stop taking so many threes? You know, and and then breaks it down in sort of this very kind of, you know, he's obviously coming from an analytical background, but he provides it in very sort of like understandable terms. You don't need to be an analytics junkie to understand what he's saying and provide the rationale for, for doing it. And I always appreciate it because it gets into some kind of like mar- diminishing marginal turns and kind of like gets back to my, a little bit my my uh econ major roots in college <laughs> a little bit but you don't need to be you know any of that stuff to, to really appreciate sort of the, the high level idea um but just in terms of sort of setting the baseline so last year you know we've talked about again the bucks were you know the team from the stone age when it came to the modern nba of shooting threes and you know jason kidd would joke about it and um and whatever but you know they sh- they made i think it was 5.6 threes per game um the league average was uh about like eight and a half per game. That was like the median number of three pointers made per game. Um, the Bucks only attempted, I think, like fifteen point six per game, um, and I think they were a little below league average shooting. They're definitely below league average shooting, like thirty four and a half percent. I think last year, so they were not great at shooting threes. Um, and I think one of the first things that uh, was often sort of like the debate last year was, well, the Bucks don't have the personnel to shoot threes, so they don't shoot threes. And that's just the way it is, right? And and on the flip side, they led the league in makes and attempts uh, in the restricted area, which is great, right? Because even if you're the most hardcore analytics junkie, you know, Houston Rockets, Daryl Morey, blah, blah, blah layups and, and three-pointers, no mid-rangers, uh, you love the idea of a team just getting tons of layups, right? And the Bucks got tons of layups last year. Um, they used their size whether it was Giannis and Jabari in transition or in the half court, exploding the rim and dunking, or even Greg Monroe being able to finish at the rim a lot. Um, they did get a lot of easy baskets that way. So that was a strength. And, you know, historically I think we obviously have this, have had long had this discussion, especially a couple of years ago when there was the debate about, you know, well, Jason Kidd didn't want Jabari and Giannis shooting threes cause he wanted them to be aggressive and things like that. Um, it seems to have worked in the sense that the bucks are getting easy baskets, right? Um, and they're getting that side of the equation, but they're not shooting threes. Um, they're not shooting very many mid range shots either necessarily, but they're basically just a team that, that can't stretch the defense. And all you need to look at is the end result of being in the bottom 10 of the league in offensive efficiency and say, okay, well that doesn't work that well. Right. And, and some of it may be talent, blah, blah, blah. Um, the challenge only gets more difficult when you take Chris Middleton out of the equation, because uh, he was a guy, obviously, who could create offense and was your most reliable three-point shooter, so that's a whole different problem. But, um, but anyway, so that's like a little bit of the setup. And I think some of the key takeaways that we heard uh, from Kevin and, and David's discussion, and and really, and I don't even know if it was explicitly said in that one, but just sort of, you know, implicitly, um, if you read a lot of the analytics stuff and just basic, you know, look at teams that uh, are good at offense and are, you know, how many threes they shoot you'll find that you don't have to be a really high percentage shooting team from three to justify taking a lot of threes. And there's this correlation. I think Kevin had a really interesting point, and the question was, when are teams going to sort of reach an equilibrium and not shoot more threes every year? Because it's been going up and up and up over the years. Um, And I think he made a good point. He said, look, when the bottom teams in the league— Aren't shooting vastly fewer threes than the top teams in the league in terms of offense, then. You know when that kind of stabilizes and there doesn't seem to be an incentive to shoot more threes to improve your offense then you'll probably see teams not shooting more threes every year but we're not there yet right and if you look at the best offenses in the league, they were also the teams that shot the most threes in uh, in the league in the last really not just last year but the last couple of years you know the rockets especially are a good example not a team that has shot a super high percentage but they've generally had good offenses and they've taken tons and tons of threes and they haven't shot any uh, Mid range shots for the most part. So that kind of sets the table a little bit. Um, I'll leave it there, Eric. I mean, what was kind of stood out to you um, from from what you heard in that conversation? Because there was a lot to it. Um, and I don't know if we've, you know, I don't think again, none of this stuff is necessarily mind blowing. I think it's generally pretty logical. Mm-hmm. Um, but it leaves you with this general sense that okay, somehow, whether it's personnel, philosophy, whatever, the Bucks have to if they want to be a not bad offense. <laughs> They're gonna have to figure out some way to attempt and and obviously make more and more three pointers.
1: Yeah, I thought one of the fascinating points was was when he talked about, okay, at some point the league should get to a point where all the bad teams start shooting as many threes as the good teams and it all kind of evens out. And I I, th- I think it was David Locke he mentioned like, oh, so then that'll kind of be like the counter that coaches always talk about. Like at some point the mid-range shot will be more valued because we've reached that equilibrium point on threes and Kevin Felton was like well not exactly and mentioned that the rate that the NBA teams are shooting threes at now is roughly where college teams were about 20 years ago and college teams have continued to shoot more threes and that like he theoretically that equilibrium point should be reached but Kevin kind of suggested that it might not actually ever be reached, and teams might not ever actually figure it out. So there's gonna there's going to be an incentive to shoot more threes for a long time. So uh, as you see, the Bucks down at 15.6 attempts last year uh, per game, and the league leaders at 31.6 for the Warriors, 30.9 for the Rockets as you see all those teams chucking up threes, that margin's only going to grow larger. So the rest of the league's going to continue to shoot more threes and the bucks kind of need to do a lot of catching up. Um, so so I thought that was very interesting. I also thought that David Locke mentioned that he's obviously the play by play guy for the, the, for the Utah jazz. And he mentioned that he's not going to use field goal percentage in any of his broadcasts this year. And he said that, He's going to stop doing that because people can understand, okay, if he shoots 30% from the three-point line, he's not all that good of a three-point shooter. But if he says he shoots 42% from mid-range, they don't understand that, oh, that's that's bad too. Uh, so he said that he's going to try to use effective field goal percentage, which as a broadcaster and blogger and writer and everything. It's fascinating that he is going to dictate that change to his listener to try to help them understand that oh, even if you're bad at shooting threes, it's probably a better play for you than taking that mid-range jump shot unless you're really good at it. Um so it was it was just fascinating to kind of hear that. I thought that was that was an interesting point and yeah, it's it's kind of scary as a Bucks fan, as as you kind of listen to all of it, that they're way behind and much of what Jason Kidd has done here in Milwaukee would not suggest that they're gonna catch up anytime soon. And if they do catch up, they're not gonna catch up drastically. It's not gonna be a drastic improvement. It's gonna probably be a, a very minor improvement, which is great, but if the less if the rest of the league improves as well, then really how far up in those rankings are you really going to get.
0: Yeah, and just to give some some context, so and, and this is sort of the classic trade-off, right? And and it, it, I, I want to add a disclaimer to start and say that you can't just magically wave your wand and, and make every mid-range jumper a three-point shot, right? Um, but uh, it, it is interesting to look at, you know, a team like the Rockets, I think you said they were at over 30 uh, threes a game, attempted, they only attempted 11 mid-range shots a game. Um, And if you look at a team like the Bucks, the Bucks averaged, let's see, what was it, Uh, 20 20, uh, mid-range jumpers a game, which wasn't like a a very high number. It just sort of Mm -hmm. really more speaks more to the Rockets not shooting any. But they shot about 20 mid-rangers per game. They shot 38% on those. So really only marginally better than the 35% that they shot on a little under 16 threes per game. And You know, again, when you look at it from an expected value perspective, right? On a, you know, points per shot basis, 38% on two-pointers is .76 uh, expected value. Let's, you know, forget offensive rebounds for a Mm. moment. Um, If you make 35% of your threes, that's, you know, not a great percentage. Uh, You're up over a point per possession, right? Or a point per shot expected value. You know, you only have to, if if you're comparing it to 38% on Two point shots. You know, you only have to make a little over twenty five percent from three to even that out, right? And and everyone would look at a twenty five percent shooter and say that guy has no business shooting threes. That's what Giannis was basically last year. Mm-hmm. Jabari were twenty five percent shooters. Well, guess what? Jabari was what thirty three percent on long twos last year. Um, as bad as he might have been on threes, and he got better as the year went on. Uh, he was certainly had a much, he definitely had a higher expected value when he shot a three versus a, a long two. Yeah, and. You know, as as part of that trade off conversation we were discussing before we went on, it, it's hard because you don't want to take Jabari and say just stand there and shoot threes and don't drive, right? And and that's that's difficult because you're you're trying to you know teach a kid to go against maybe his instinct and maybe what you've taught him the last couple of years. Um, so really, I think for me, it, it's so much of it is about changing the way people view where they maybe spot up right mm-hmm. and, and jabari's, gr- jabari's great at catching and attacking and even a soft closeout and getting the rim and dunking and you don't want to like say like, oh just don't ever do that or just stand way <laughs> really far away from the rim mm-hmm. um but and, and part of jabari's two-point jumpers are going to be because he attacks something's not there and then he you know defense lays off whatever it might be and then he pulls up for a jump shot and that's not necessarily i mean again you're, you're not going to eradicate that shot to be a big time scorer guys are gonna have to take those shots um but, you know, get, getting into the habit of saying, here's the three-point line, they're slacking off me, you know, this action is going to draw a double team and I'm going to get an open shot, and that's a good thing. I mean, I think that's what you want guys like Jabari to, to think about. And they don't have to do it every time, but, um, but to do it more is important. And to give you guys a sense of this, so I think one of the interesting points that, that Kevin and David were talking about was, you know, defenses can't really necessarily dictate how many threes opponents shoot, that much certainly teams can can try to um you know by not helping which the bucks helped a lot uh the last couple of years really the bucks because they play the certain style the hawks do it the same way they're going to give up more threes but from an offensive perspective um if you want to shoot more threes you can generally kind of dictate that you know that's mm-hmm. something you have more control over literally the ball is in your court um so it's not something where you're at the mercy of the defense or whatever it might be certainly defenses can play you different ways but clearly especially for a team like the bucks defenses are asking them to shoot more threes um so it's something where if like jason kidd is suggesting they actually say like okay we want to shoot more threes and then we're going to make a concerted concerted effort we can do that um so should we talk maybe a little bit about what the bucks might be able to do to to shoot more threes because i know there's kind of a bunch of different things and you know again like well you've actually done some coaching, and you're I've been a much more serious player than I've ever been, Eric, so you can maybe talk more from experience mm-hmm. i'm I'm obviously coming at it more from um when i'm being prescriptive uh I will fully admit that it's some of these things are are easier said than done, and they ignore the nuances of you know scheme and play calling and things like that but there are some things that we can say the Bucks can definitely do that should lead them to shoot more three-pointers, right? Am I wrong here, Eric, No, as the I, basketball expert?
1: No, I, I think you're... Well, don't say that, because um, I, I would never try to say I'm a <laughs> basketball expert. But uh, I guess kind of one way to look at it is, you mentioned, well, you don't want to tell Jabari to play this way, and you don't want to tell Giannis to play that way. One thing we discussed before we attempted to try to prescribe the Bucks is that Giannis and Jabari probably aren't going to be the reasons why you're getting more threes. And again, And and there and I would say they you
0: know, the fact that you're building around two guys who are naturally not going to be high volume three-point shooters, hopefully they'll be more higher, you know, higher volume three-point shooters than they have mm-hmm. been. But building around them, I mean, fundamentally, like it's okay if the Bucks are not a top five you know, three point attempt team. I think we should be clear yeah. about that. Like you don't like the bucks are not going to be successful trying to be exactly what the warriors are. Cause they don't have Steph Curry and clay Thompson and they shouldn't try to be those guys. So yeah, be, let's be clear about that. But, um, you shouldn't be dead last in the league in three point shooting. Either, yeah. Right? And I would, I would say this is, great.
1: this isn't our prescription to be a top five shooting, uh, th- or a top five three point attempt team. It's to get into the meaty middle, at least to Get uh, it's uh, good, th- good
0: to get better balance.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So those guys probably aren't going to be the reasons for why you do it. But again, it is kind of, especially Jabari at this point, I think just kind of needs to realize that attacking the rim is great, obviously. um, But we talked about it after the Bulls game, and I showed some of those vines that we put in the recap at Brew Hoop. um, But he's always moving towards the basket there. And I think one of the things that... He'll learn as he develops and matures is that catching at the three point line at a standstill and putting the ball in the shot pocket and at least looking like a threat from the three point line, that's gonna eventually help him get to the rim more because people are gonna close out considerably harder. And you talked about him attacking attacking soft closeouts before. Well, if someone's gotta close you out hard then you're going to really do some damage going to the room because you're going to leave that guy in the dust with as quick as his first step is. If he can get someone to close out hard on him, then, then he's really going to be dangerous, um, I guess. Yeah, and I think, I think the term
0: that I, I love, Brett Coromentes used the term shot equity. And, mm-hmm. and you know, by that, he means being a threat, basically, is what he yeah. means. So it's a cool way to say being a threat. But, but being good enough that you know, Taj Gibson isn't giving you six feet of cushion when you're at the top of key 24 feet from the basket, right? And yep. and part of that, obviously, is, the flip side of it is, is it's a sign of respect at what Jabari can do off the dribble. Um, but again, as you're saying, if he can become a greater threat to shoot threes, or even if he just puts up more threes, yep. right? Because teams, teams don't want to give up wide open threes unless you're shooting you know, a horrendous, horrendous number on, on those. But, um, but yeah, trying to build up that shot equity is, is good.
1: And I think even there, a big part of it is just human nature. If I see you shoot, uh, I always would tell people this, that if I just see you shoot, I'm going to react to it. I'm on a basketball court. I'm trying to play basketball. I'm going to react to it. And you have to be a truly horrendous shooter and player for someone to not at least react to the action of you shooting. And I know they'll read scouting reports and they'll see the video, but there's still some human nature aspect of it that, I'm going to react to you shooting the three. So, yes, getting some shot equity. That is a good term. Um, getting some, And, and
0: I was going to say, I mean, Russell Westbrook, bad three-point shooter. 30% yeah. three-point shooter. Teams don't back off 10 feet on Russell Westbrook because he can do a lot of things. Part of it, it does mean he can get a head of steam going. You don't want that either. Mm-hmm. But just the mere fact that he's not bashful. He's willing to shoot threes. And nobody wants to just stand there and let guys shoot open threes when they're going to hit some. Um, and even look at a guy like Rashad Vaughn. Rashad Vaughn has clearly not hit... Any type of shot at, with high accuracy in his NBA career, but the scouting report is that he will shoot threes. He doesn't need a lot of room to do it, and so teams still play him like he's a decent three-point shooter, you know. And yeah. and just like last year, O.J. Mayo didn't make many three-pointers. He shot a very poor percentage on the year, but everybody thought, okay, I'm not going to just give him open looks from three. It's still yeah. a guy who you know has a history of that. And so with Jabari, if you never even attempt it, that's when. Teams just don't respect it, right? Correct. And and as you're saying, um, when you at least try, then teams think think twice about it and it becomes a weapon even if you know you're not uh, shooting thirty eight percent or whatever it might be.
1: And with as quick as Jabari is, even the slightest split second, a tenth of a second, is significant for Jabari. His his first step is so quick that even just the slightest thought can actually make a difference for him. So I, I think that's a big thing for Jabari. Um and we'll we'll kind of see how that progresses but I guess one of the big things that Kevin Pelton mentioned was and I mean this was a wide spanning conversation that touched on a number of different topics and they were they were talking more about defense at the time but they were talking about how defenses like to switch so much and that one way that you can try to combat that and try to get the best looks is by getting into your offense quicker and and that's something that I think we've or at least I know I've complained about with the Jason Kidd bucks now for a while is that they take too long to get into their initial action. And because of that, if things don't go well, you're going to get stuck with some garbage isolation play. Um, and I think the bucks were, I think eighth in the league in isolation plays as a percentage of their play types. And I'll have an offensive style piece coming out later this week. That'll kind of show you that, but That's that's a team that is struggling to get into their offense early. So that means they're getting bad shots late. And when we were talking about how do you get more corner threes, well, you get into your action earlier so that you can get solid offensive action going rather than a late clock chuck up at the rim. And you think of some of the bad shots you've seen from Michael Carter-Williams in the last couple years. You think of some of the forced plays you've seen Giannis try to make, Jabari try to make. (laughs) Yeah, it's any <laughs> almost any of the late shot clock plays Chris Middleton tried to make, like the Bucks take a lot of bad shots late in the clock, and I would say that a lot of those because they don't get into their action early enough. So if you want to get more corner threes and you want to get more quality looks, if you start that action three seconds earlier, then maybe you can get an extra pass in there, and then maybe that's your corner three instead of a, a rushed throw at the rim. Uh, so for me, that's one of my... Major prescriptions for the Bucks' offense to get more threes is to start their action earlier and get into the offense. Just just get into it earlier.
0: And this plays entirely into the conversation we had about playing uh, more in transition. You know, and again, pace is pace is not a, a great proxy necessarily for getting easy baskets or always playing fast. But uh, if you get into your offense more quickly, you'll are also more likely to catch the defense before they're set. You'll get open threes more often if you play quick. Uh, you'll get, obviously, more layups, you know, if you're trying to fast break and do things like that and catch teams um, not getting back in transition. So we know that the Bucks have every incentive to do that, given their personnel tend to lend themselves better to getting out with Giannis and Jabari. And, obviously, um they're not going to be as good in, in half court. So whatever you can do to avoid half court is good. Um, but also playing and with a bit more tempo, getting into your offense early, um, whether it's because you have that extra, a little bit extra more time at the end of a clock um, that you might not otherwise have had, as, as you are describing, or, you know, Mirza Palatovich is running up the court and someone doesn't put a body on him and, you know, he's yep. wide open and he gets, you know, that trail three. Um, those are, you know, the kinds of plays that that also, you know, those are transition baskets, right? Um, it's not a coincidence that the the Warriors were an incredible transition <laughs> team and an incredible three-point shooting team, right? A lot yep. of them were in transition. Yep.
1: Um,
0: and so you have to, you know, those are the kind of things go, go actually go hand in hand. Um, three-point shooting is is absolutely not just a half court thing it is absolutely also um, a transition thing Um, and let me maybe give uh give people a sense so i was kind of playing around the numbers so you mentioned kind of where the bucks were last year and in terms of like how do you actually increase the number of threes you take it's really interesting because if you look at i would argue that you know, if, I think I've heard kind of people say occasionally, like in describing the Bucks quickly, that's like, well, well, the you know the changes the Bucks made this summer are going to help them shoot more threes. And I think you could say that will be the case if Chris Middleton hadn't gotten hurt. But I think when you're looking at it from the perspective of okay, reality is Chris Middleton is gone. You know, call up the season effectively. Uh, what do you have left? How do you shoot more threes uh, regardless of losing Chris Middleton? It's interesting because I kind of did some you know, kind of quick accounting on, on last year's Bucks: who left, who came in, and the number of three-pointers that they took last year versus this year. And it's interesting because basically of the 443s the Bucks made last year, they lost, including Middleton, 385 of those. So basically everybody who shot threes is effectively gone <laughs> from, from last year's team. <laughs> now the good news is that basically Del Delvadova, and Terry on their own Completely, you know, if you use their numbers last year, assume that they get similar minutes this year. Um, they account for 372 threes last year versus 385 that the Bucks lost this this summer. Mm-hmm. And the other good news is that, from a minute distribution perspective, they played many fewer minutes last year than the guys who accounted for those 385. So I kind of did some like quick math. You know, I basically sort of did some quick additions and said, okay, you know, you lost Middleton, you lost all these other guys you add back in let's assume the new guys play the same amount they hit the exact same number of threes and made some guesses on on Beasley Brogdon and Thon which you know I was guessing like Beasley would hit like 33s at 30% Brogdon maybe 43s at 30% or mm-hmm. basically like whoever's playing those minutes um, and you kind of get to really only a marginal and then you basically gross up to make sure that the total minutes of the team are, are roughly comparable and you really don't get to a dramatically different result i got up to you know making my assumption 6.3 three pointers versus 5.4 last year 17.8 attempts versus 15.6 attempts so organically or sorry not organically but but just from kind of like the math of taking guys out and putting new guys in you lost some three point shooters you added some three point shooters you're not getting to that league average, you know, let's say eight and a half threes. And honestly, it's probably going to go up from last year just because that's the trend. Um, So you're really not getting there. So in terms of, what you can do, I, I would say, especially with Middleton being being gone, if Middleton was back or you know and healthy, then I think it's a lot easier to make the case that the Bucks um, can can make more substantive strides with just the changes they made. But if it's not going to be just pure personnel, then you got to play somewhat differently. And we mentioned transition is one way that you can start to to change that that a bit. We mentioned starting the clock earlier, which is also kind of the flip side, of, you know, similar to transition. Um, I think some of the other things that we discussed. Don't worry about your percentage. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I think it's only human nature to say, "Oh, um, this guy's shooting thirty percent; he shouldn't be shooting threes. Look, if the alternative is that guy is shooting a lot of mid-rangeers, then it's an easy trade, right? And and there's a time and place for that. And I think, especially with Jabari and Giannis, I think so much of it for them is probably confidence and willingness to shoot threes. Um, you don't want to dissuade them by saying, "Hey, you know what? You're you're only shooting twenty nine percent. Stop shooting threes. Yeah. I mean, I, I just those guys aren't going to get better unless they feel like they're allowed to take threes and that they have the confidence to start making them. Um so you hope that they would keep shooting even if you know not they're not necessarily shooting a high percentage. Doesn't mean they need to be shooting five or six per game. Um but when defenses give it to them, take it, right? Yep. And I think then getting back to sort of the accounting a little bit, um, you know, again, you have to guys have guys who who don't settle for long twos or at least are more willing to look for the line and shoot threes. You know, look at what Jason Terry does, look at what Teletovich does. Those guys look for the line, right? Um and specifically, having guys who shoot threes from the big positions, that's an obvious way that you can boost your three-point shooting. I think there are probably two two things I would look at is, you know, the biggest – I think the biggest change the Bucks made from a personnel standpoint that could increase their standing in terms of three-point shooting is adding Teletovich. Because swapping Deli for Bayless, it's more or less a wash, right? And yeah. I don't want to diminish – Delavadova's shooting because um, he's a good shooter. He was a great catch and shoot guy, but Bayless was as well last year. And it's you know a lot easier to find shooters who are point guards, shooting guards, right? Or at least in shooting guards, theoretically, it is. The Bucks are still searching on that front, but um, you know you, that's sort of where you just need to kind of keep pace. Where you can differentiate is by having a power forward who made 181 threes last year, like like Toledovic, especially. For the Bucks, it's a challenge, though, because Jabari and Giannis are your starting forwards, and those guys are not going to be high-volume three-point shooters in all likelihood. And so you're kind of dealing with, you know, you're already sort of starting off behind the eight ball a little bit just from a three-point perspective in that way. So I think the other one is those guys specifically. If those guys can improve somewhat, you know, not become amazing three-point shooters, but improve somewhat, and become less bashful about shooting threes, that's a clear way that you can potentially increase that number and, and the volume of those three-point shooting. Um, other than that, though, I mean, the problem from the big spots, not really anybody else in the near term that you're going to see shooting threes. I don't think Thon Maker is going to be the revelation who becomes the stretch 4-5 for the Bucks this year. Hopefully it happens at some point, but at this point, uh, maybe not so much.
1: And I think one of the big things, too, with starting with Giannis and Jabari is that we're working really hard to try to figure out how to get enough threes (laughs) into the offense. And I I think it speaks to one. It's cool that Giannis and Jabari are different types of players and are doing some really unique, interesting stuff. And it's again, cool that the bucks are embracing it and going to be this weird basketball team. But if they're going to be this weird basketball team, that means the rest of the roster needs to be, Pretty much as weird. Like, if you're going to do something unorthodox at point guard offensively, um, then you need to be able to do something unorthodox at power forward offensively, and you need to be able to find other ways to add those things. And you kind of mentioned that with the bigs, and I, I guess with those two, one thing we always talk about is, oh, those two need to add the corner three, and that that's how they'll get started. But if you're, if Giannis and Jabari are the major playmakers on this team they're not going to spend a lot of time in the corner. They're going to spend a lot of time in the middle of the floor. And I think that was one of the major changes we saw in Middleton. I know I when I wrote, I don't even know, way too many words about Middleton in that January, February range, I was talking about how last year his threes switched from corner threes, like a three and D guy to above the break threes, like, a higher usage player would, would get. And when you think of a lot of the guys that shoot a ton of threes, you're not going to see, a, or I guess a, a, the guys that shoot a ton of threes that are also their team's leading score or second leading score, they're not shooting a ton of corner threes. It's a lot of above the break threes. So with Giannis and Jabari adding corner threes, well, that's fine. But if they're going to play the roles that we expect them to play this year, it's not going to be particularly useful because they're not going to spend a lot of time in the corners. They're going to spend a lot of time above the break. So them shooting corner threes is great. But if you really want to add to the bottom line of threes, they need to shoot above the break threes. Um, So, so that's, that's another interesting spot. And I guess you've, we've kind of touched on it, but the, the margins for the bucks have to be impeccable that you cannot, you cannot waste any long twos. If you're spotting up on the baseline, and you're Jabari Parker, you're Giannis Adetikumbo, you're Miroslav Teletovic, you're, you're whoever. It can't. If you're Michael Beasley, Jason Terry. It can't be a baseline two. It has to be behind the three point line. And, and they just can't have wasted long twos. Those have to be threes because the Bucks really can't afford to waste any opportunities that could give them some of those threes on the margins. Um, So as a team, they really have to focus on, like you said, finding the line, get behind the line. And that's where you catch the ball. And that's where you, you take those catch and shoot looks from. Um, And again, it's not going to be as extreme as the Rockets. I think you mentioned something like 11 mid range shots for the Rockets, every game and 20 or so for the bucks. But if, they can convert four of those mid-range looks into threes this year, five of those. That's a major step in the right direction. And that's kind of how they have to try to juice it up a little bit on the margins because they are a weird team. They are a strange team and they are put together differently than a lot of other teams. So they do have to find ways on the margins to get some more of those threes.
0: Yeah. I think the, the corner three binge uh, against the bulls was, was really interesting. And again, we should not go overboard with one preseason game, but uh, I think they were five of 13 from the corner last year. They averaged something like 1.6 attempts and 4.6 or 4.8 uh, or sorry, 1.6 makes versus 4.6, 4.8 attempts per game. So, you know, effectively tripling the number of corner threes that they attempted in that game. And again, how do you get corner threes? Get in your offense earlier, Pat, move the ball more, have time to find for those hunt, you know, you know, and again, part of it, too, I mean, you know, Giannis was in the post when he found Della Vadova for, I think, one of those threes. Yep. Um, so it doesn't mean that you can't do some stuff in the post. If you can get double teams in places, um, whether it's pick and roll, whether it's even out of isolation, whether it's out post-ups, you know, play to your strengths. The Bucks are going to be able to create mismatches with Giannis in particular, um, and, and there are different ways to do it. Um, I think the interesting thing, looking at some of the different players in the roster and, and corner threes in particular— um, you know, I think Jabari has, has definitely a, a better chance to you know, park in that corner from time to time and, and hit corner threes mm-hmm. simply because he's going to be off the ball more com- you know, versus Giannis. And certainly if teams are going to slack off him, having him you know, be at the top, uh, if you're running a side pick and roll or whatever it might be, probably more problematic because they're going to be able to clog off that more. So putting Jabari in the weak side when he's not directly involved in a play could make some sense and, and again, could maybe give him opportunity to get more corner three attempts. And again, especially for a guy like that, who's been a good, who was a good college three point shooter, a good high school three point shooter, getting the short corner three probably is more important. Um, you know, great shooters like Steph Curry. I mean, he's incredible in the corners, but whatever, he's incredible everywhere. Um, for a guy like Jabari, that extra, you know, foot nine inches, um, of, of shorter three in the corner could, could be a big deal. Um, it was interesting looking at so Jason Terry, high volume corner three shooter. Not surprising because he tends to be an off ball guy. He's not running an offense when he's been playing even nominally as a point guard with James Harden in, in Houston. He's had um, the two highest, uh, he's been around 40% the last two years in terms of the percentage of his threes that were corner threes after being like in the 20s for most of his career, kind of reflecting his shift to, you know, being a spot up guy. Um, the interesting thing I thought I saw was that Toledovich has been a very low volume corner three shooter. And I think that's one thing that'll be interesting to watch. And I imagine I'm just hypothesizing, I you know not watching him much in Phoenix. I imagine a lot of it's just because he's probably you know, been in one four pick and rolls and you know spacing pick and, you know basically pick and popping off those types of plays which are not going to be corner threes. But it will be interesting in a place like Milwaukee if he's on the court with Giannis. Are they running pick and rolls with Toletevic? You know, is he going to park in the corner more and maybe shoot some more threes from the corner? That might be interesting to watch because uh, clearly he's a guy who's a phenomenal shooter. And at this point, I would say it's probably you know if if a guy you know you want to pick a guy to have an uh, an open or not open three point look, I think Toletevic is probably the guy you want taking that shot right now. Um, I think DelaVidova had a pretty decent volume. I want to say uh, from the corners as well, um, and again, that makes sense. A guy who, especially in Milwaukee, like in in Cleveland, is going to play off the ball more. So it'll be interesting to see. Bucks took the fewest above the break threes in the league last year. They took, I think, the second fewest corner threes in the league last year. So there is lots of room for improvement. But I don't know. I don't know if I do I don't think we've solved anything on a podcast, Eric. Um, I think I guess maybe the the and unless you have something else to add, I think maybe the question I would ask you to to close it out is, um, you know, and and I'll steal what what Matt and and Charles talked about on the Journal Sentinel podcast. But let's say the over under is is eight and a half at league average for made three pointers per game this year. Uh, do you think the Bucks can add three three pointers more per game this year, or where do you kind of put them this year? What's your expectation? How how real do you think uh, you, the talk is? Slash one measly preseason game where where they took a bunch of threes.
1: Not very real. Um, <laughs>
0: I think that's the correct answer, but it's
1: maybe slightly encouraging. No, it's just it's just interesting to kind of think about it. You think about that preseason game and minutes distribution and kind of what occurred and maybe defense not mattering a whole lot uh, in the preseason. So Beasley, you want to take some corner threes. That's great, man. Go for it. Um, Cause we don't really care about your defensive rotations right now. Um, so I, again, I, I think it's something that's a lot of talk and I, I think really th- one of the major theses of kind of that discussion and our discussion is, you have to not care about percentages. And I can't imagine Jason kid ever not caring about the percentage that his guys are shooting from the three point line, because over the years it's been a, a point of pride that, Oh yeah, well we don't shoot a lot, but we make the ones that we take. That means we're taking good looks and things like that. And if that number starts to fall, it's, I think the number of attempts they're going to get is going to start to fall because he's just not going to stand for it. So I'm hopeful that I'm wrong and that maybe there was some sort of revelation over the off season from Jason Kidd that the Bucks are going to shoot more threes and he's down for the cause and doesn't care about per percentages and just wants to get him up. But I'm not particularly hopeful about it.
0: <laughs> I, I would say if, if Chris Middleton was healthy, um, I think getting to to league average in terms of made threes would be a not unreasonable goal. Again, mm-hmm. a, a factoring in playing faster, factoring in uh, the young guys maybe not being a lot more accurate, but at least being more willing to shoot threes, especially considering the number of minutes that they eat up. Adding Toledovich in place of you know all the backup five minutes where or sorry backup four minutes where you got no three point shooting last year, uh, I think they could have gotten there. Um, I mean you know look at it. it Tillettovich was over two three pointers per game on his own. Mm-hmm. So you know, you, you, if you say he's going to hit two three pointers per year, or sorry per per game, um, compared to basically zero that you're getting from the guys he was replacing, that gives you two right there. Um, so I, I think getting to maybe not league average of you know eight and a half nine. Um, could they get to over seven? Uh, in my. Oct- early October arbitrary world of over-unders. <laughs> uh, you can talk me into that being possible, sure. Um, but I think the big thing is is philosophically, as you were kind of alluding to, how how dedicated are they going to be? And and can they you know, tra- train, especially the young guys, mentally to be willing to look for that shot? Because Giannis Nubari mentally, you can tell they're getting there a little bit, but they're not there yet. And yeah. I think they still are at the point where if they miss one, they feel a lot less likely to shoot another one. And, you know, you don't want them shooting 0 for 10 from 3 in a game and going away from driving to the basket. You, you know, you have to be able to find that balance of, of knowing when to, you know, attack, and especially if maybe your 3-point three sh- three shot isn't there. But, uh, you know, again, you were okay. You know, you scored a ton of paints, points in the paint last year. You know, you were okay in effective field goal percentage terms because you shot, you know, a high percentage from the field, relatively speaking, on 2s. But it didn't get you very far in terms of your overall offensive efficiency. So there's no way to kind of get around, I think, shooting more threes. So I think it will be interesting to watch. Uh, our next chance to watch it will be Saturday. <laughs> um, and we'd also point out the, the Bucks attempted uh, basically last preseason 25% more threes than they did during the uh, regular season perhaps in part because Chris Copeland played, played was second on the team in minutes per game. Um, they didn't shoot particularly well, but, uh, but they tried a lot. So so we'll see. I think it'll be a really interesting uh, theme to watch this season. Hopefully, uh, by listening to us drone on here tonight, uh, you've gotten a bit more, uh, I don't know, a bit more of a sense of kind of where the Bucks were what it'll take to, to improve, why it's important to improve, and kind of some of the key talking points to think about when uh, when you think about where teams shoot and the importance of shot equity for, for young guys like Jabari and Giannis. And um, now the hard part, we leave to the trained professionals and Jason Kidd and his coaching staff, and he can go figure out how to make it a reality.
1: Yeah, and like you said, it's going to be something to watch all year long. So uh, a big thanks to... Mr. Locke and Mr. Pelton for their wonderful dissertation on all of this and kind of inspiring us to dig a little bit deeper and talk about this. And again, go listen to that. It's locked on MBA. It's a fantastic conversation. You really should go listen to it. Um, and if you follow my directions at the start and stopped our podcast and went to listen to it and then came back i would say go listen to it again um because it's it's great um so go ahead and do that we're gonna have a special guest on the podcast tomorrow uh both frank and i are very excited about that uh so we'll have that up for you tomorrow as always thanks for listening make sure you head into the comments section at brew hoop to let us know what you think can the bucks juice up their three-point attempts this season can they shoot well from the three-point line uh, will jason Kidd stand for that uh so let us know in the comments tweet at us at brew hoop, at eric underscore name and yeah we'll see you tomorrow thanks for joining us